And welcome into episode number 42, the Robert Esch episode. <laughs> Boy, I think I got to retire the episode naming by a jersey number of a player when I got to the Robert Esch episode. Yeah, Robert Esch was a beauty, man. He, You didn't know what you were going to get when you went in the locker room. Like, sometimes he'd just be silent for long stretches. He'd always give you an interesting quote, but you didn't know how long it would take. And he just, I don't know, he never felt like he was comfortable with the media. Did you know that he's uh, the president of the Utica Comets right now? Yes. The American Hockey League? And I'm actually going to be covering them tomorrow night. Wow. So I'll see Robert Esch, and we'll see if he talks to me now. Well, let's see if he listens to the Stick to Hockey podcast. There Welcome, everyone. Um, it's been a while. We know. I know. We always want to do more episodes. but We try. These things, like this little thing called life gets in the way sometimes, and Russ has 17 jobs. <laughs> I, I have like four, and three kids and it's nuts but anyway uh, i digress follow russ on twitter at sportsology um also follow me on twitter at jason mert follow the podcast at stick to hockey pod um we have so much to get into today we wanted to do the episode earlier in the week uh closer to the deadline uh but we'll get into the deadline before we get there though russ i gotta ask you what'd you think of the stadium series the stadium series was interesting because I've covered so many outdoor games that I've never seen one like that because I, I, I put out a tweet and I really meant it, but it was sort of snarky where like, this isn't your dad's hockey. These guys play in the rain. Yeah. Like hockey players, if you want to talk about maybe the thing that gets them furthest from their sport, it's playing outdoors in the rain. Yeah. Like never went out and played in the no, rain. No, nobody yeah. did. Nobody would. There's no reason to. Right. But yet these guys had to do it and they had to do it for, I would say half the game. Yeah. And boy, that ice in the third period was just bad. Like, I was getting texts, Matt Murray's horrible, and it's like, listen, yep. you can't blame any goalie for anything in that game. The other thing I thought of was, I, I play a lot of softball, and, and obviously in April and stuff, it, it's rainy weather, and, and so, like, if you try and get, like, a, a softball or a baseball hit at you really hard, and you try and glove that high, and it hits and it's wet, you can't catch that. Oh, I knew, yeah, and I knew it gets slippery. Yeah, and I knew Robert, I, I, you almost got me to say Robert Ash. I, I knew Elliot was not going to be able to glove that cleanly. Yeah. There was no way, and to his credit, was wasn't going to make excuses yep. about it, but the conditions were just bad. So, like, that game, hey, great comeback by the Flyers, but I can't tell you that that gave me any sway as to saying they're as good as Penguins or they could beat the Penguins. Mm. That game was just a dice roll that after a while. Yeah, and, and it's funny because it really – they really – Flyers weren't really that good in the game. No, and they, they lost – and Penguins lost two defensemen. Yeah, and, it, and, and that, that hurt them. That was the lasting effect of Wayne Simmons as a Flyer <laughs> yes. as he takes out Dumoulin and then yeah. the – the mini melee ensues, and somehow Gostaspare suplexes Latang, <laughs> right. takes him and Dumoulin out of the game. Right. And then all of a sudden, you're able, they got to roll four defensemen. It's just not an advantageous It was an exciting game, though. No? Yeah, the crowd, you know, it's weird because where I am on the outdoor games, I'm like, eh, it's kind of gone too far now in the sense that they've, they've taken the specialness out of it because they do them all the time. That right. was their 27th outdoor game. I know, but they still packed in 66,000. I mean, yeah. they, you know, it's like. Fans still want to see it. I felt bad for you, though, because I saw you directly after the game, and you were, like, frozen, oh, man. You were, like— It's a long day. <laughs> it and, was bad. And look, I know I'm not going to get any sympathy from a guy that's out there working in construction all winter long or anything. Right, right. But, I mean, we started our broadcast at 4 o'clock outside. I was still fighting off a cold and the whole thing. Yeah. But, um, it, yeah, it was a long day, and, you know, being in the rain and everything, it is what it is. Players having a hard time seeing out of their visors. Well, yeah, so Giroux made the one comment where he said he, he he cleaned his visor more than he was playing. Yeah. And and Konechny told me, and I never put up the article, maybe I will later because it was really good, but Konechny was basically saying, look, this this was horrible for a guy who yeah. wears a visor. I mean, and that's... Which is pretty much everybody which, now. Which is now everybody. Yeah. So it, it was rough. It was rough for the players, but you know what? They got through it. The one thing, else, this is why hockey players, to me, are the greatest athletes in the world because 
Gordie Howe once told me it's the continuous movement that makes it an unbelievably hard sport to play. But you also have to do the eye hand. And now if you have to deal with the weather, too, like, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. Like, I I feel like the outdoor games have kind of jumped the sharp. But when you have one in your town. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And and the presentation, I think, of everything at the stadium, the, the, the support that the Eagles lent. It was great. And having Sixers players, Eagles players, and everybody there was really cool. Yeah. And they pulled it off. And it was Although I, I thought event. it was weird. Gritty came in, like, all lit up, and it was and it was snowing. I'm thinking, yeah. I'm just thinking electrocution, man. <laughs> I mean, no offense to Gritty, but I, I was thinking that. Well, I saw Bailey, the L.A. Kings mascot, got upset because they wouldn't allow him to have any part in an outdoor game that the Kings were in. Wow. So he was tweeting, like, hey, you let the— you know, no mascot uh, presence when the Kings were in it, but now uh, Gritty's taking it over. Well, Gritty's taking the mascot game to a new level. He really has. So, I mean, that's, yeah, there's a new standard for mascots now. A new high and a new low. He set both. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get to, real quick, uh, some Flyers notes. And obviously the, the one thing is that Wayne Simmons does get dealt. Yes. It happens on Monday. It comes down uh, just about at the deadline. There were several things in play, and I was reading Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts. It looked like the Flyers had a deal with Winnipeg uh, for a first-round pick, but Winnipeg suffered an injury. They had to kind of pivot. They end up trading their first-round pick for Kevin Hayes. Yeah. So that takes Simmons out. They end up yep. getting a fourth-round conditioned pick um, from Nashville and to get Ryan Hartman. What did you think of the deal? I-, I thought it was an excellent deal, and I know the knee-jerk was like, oh, Hartman's not good enough. He's only got 20 points, yada, yada, yada. I First off, I want to say about Simmons, I'm going to show you a picture. People should go to yeah, my Instagram account. That That's a game where I think he took a puck to the eye and mm-hmm. the face at the same time, and he barely could speak. And his took eyes, a stick to the mouth on the bench and took That's a puck what it to was. the eye. That's yeah. what it was. And, and, he, and he was all stitched up. And at first, you can't really understand him. There's a video, too. And at first, you can't really understand him. But then a guy asks him, hey, do you think your mother is going to leave you another voicemail because, you know, you didn't wear the shield? And he laughed. And then he goes, yeah, she might. And, like, I don't know any better guy than him. Like, if I felt like that, the last thing I'd be doing is laughing. Yeah. So I got to say, the temperament on Wayne Simmons is amazing. And I truly, it was a pleasure to cover him. This was a good trade because... I knew when Ryan Hartman was coming that everything that he brought, like I knew about him in juniors. I, you know, I told people I, we, I'd spoken to Don Cherry live on the air about Ryan Hartman for the top prospects game. Mm-hmm. Like this is a guy that's made for Philadelphia, but he's made for a lot of teams because he does so many little things on the ice. And 24 that, years old. Yeah. He's 24. That first game showed you a lot. It showed you he had pushback. It showed you he was mixing it up. It showed you he could draw a penalty. He made a good defensive play that became like almost a two-on-one, but Bogosian broke it up. He showed you a lot of things. He got shots on net. That's a lot of the things that Wayne Simmons used to be able to do, but wasn't doing as much or as frequently. So I felt like even though he is never going to get to the point level Wayne Simmons will, he still could reach 20 goals. He could still get to 48 points, something like that. He will reach a level where Wayne Simmons is now. Oh no! I think Point he'll. Ex- yeah. I think he'll exceed. Yeah, he'll Especially exceed five on five. Yeah, five on five. I think he will exceed that. If you put him on the power play, he'll do a little something too. But on the Flyers, he'll probably never get there. Yep. But the interesting thing was, after that game, he was still trying to sell himself to the market because he knew he was replacing Simmons. He goes, "Look, it's only my third year. I'm a yep. young guy. I mean, this guy is on the level." Is he a total jerk on the ice? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you love that. Yeah, he's a total idiot on the ice, but he knows what he's doing. Once in a while, he's going to take a penalty you don't like, but a lot of times, he's going to get four-on-four situations going for the Flyers. Yeah, because he's going to get another guy to go to the box because he's a pain in the rear end. uh, Bill Meltzer kind of compared him to like kind of a more under-control Steve Downey. 
Oh, which I, I mean, a, way more under control yeah, than I mean, Downey. Downey was way out there. Yeah. Right? Um, but but certainly he has skill. There's no question about it. And at this point in Simmons' career, he is – I'm not going to say he's a shell of himself, but he's a clearly a power forward in decline. And that goes right. one way and one way only, and it usually goes there pretty quickly. It does. And, again, he really on the power play hadn't been scoring much anymore. Yeah. It the hands was, even go away. Yeah. I know he was still trying to get in the crease, and every once in a while he'd bang a goal, but – it was just it was declining for him, and yeah. I don't think he's going to get any more than a four year deal from somebody. But he'll get it because again, if you're looking for a net front presence, he'll still be that guy. Yep. He'll still when the puck's in your end, he'll still grind it out. There's still things he can do. But in a faster NHL, and if you're expecting to get younger and better, the Flyers did the right thing. Um, were you surprised neither Michael Raffle, Brian Elliott, Shane Gossespierre, or Gudis weren't moved? I, I was surprised, not by Gudis, because, again, on the live broadcast, I said, yeah. to me, he's an untouchable right now. And I think the team feels that way, too. Great Don't, contract. Great contract. He plays the way they want to play hockey, and he's really reeled it in. So I don't think he's going anywhere. Shane Gossespear, maybe he gets traded over the summer, but that contract is still so good. The point level, like, I don't want to call out Glenn Mack now, but I'm going to because, you know, he was like, disappointed in Shane Gossespierre and posted that the other day. Like, yeah. you know, he's just not making, you know, just not turning After out. After his initial burst. On yeah, the he's team. not turning out the way he hoped. But, you know, his points per game are better than P.K. Subban. He had 65 points last year. Yeah. His points per game in his career mm-hmm. are better than Subban and better than Brent Burns. Now, is he having an off year? Sure. Yeah. Has he reeled it in the last few weeks? I feel like he has, and I think he's playing better now. End of the day, it's a great contract, and you don't know what's going to happen with Ivan Provorov. And, and again, that contract could get could get a little heated in the sense that they don't know where it's going to go. Will, will he miss some training camp? I mean, an arbitration. That yeah, contract. I mean, stay tuned. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen there. So if there's if there if there's indecisiveness there, I don't think Spear goes anywhere. Yeah. Raffle should have been traded. I, I don't even understand. Inspiring deal, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't. I do want to say one thing though. We all wanted Fletcher to do something earlier on Simmons. He didn't, right? Now, when when they say, well, the trade was you know consummated at 357 or whatever, like or 257, the funny thing about that is there's always that initial contact. So if they go back, it doesn't have to end on the dot, right? Yeah. And I even made the joke because somebody said, well— Looks like the Leafs haven't done anything. I look. I was like, look, the Leafs get an extra hour there. Oh yeah, because the central registry the is there. Yeah, and it's like, but it's true. So many trades drop in after. So I don't believe he waited till the last minute. But what I do think happened is that he got so involved in the Simmons talks that something like Raffle just fell by the wayside. Yeah. Um, yes. For, as far as the ghost thing goes, like I, that's more of a deal that would happen in the summer yeah. after you tied up or at Ruff. the draft. And, yeah, and ba- and based on. What you see out of Myers the rest of the way here, right? Clearly, Sanheim boy has been tremendous. Sanheim has been tremendous. Yeah. Uh, Myers has been very good. I don't get putting him on the wing. I don't like. I get that you yeah, were trying to give him. Get leave yeah, him. I get that you were trying to get him some more ice time. But please don't yeah. don't keep doing that. But Myers has looked pretty good. Has there been some early hiccups? Sure, sure. But I, I think he's I think he's going to be fine. And we're going to look at Sam Moran here. It appears uh, pretty soon as well. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's going to be the big if because. He didn't play long enough in Lehigh coming back here on his stint to know where he's really at. Yeah. We'll know where he's at when he's in a couple NHL games and see where his skating's at because that's where that's where it starts for him. Oh, yeah. It starts and ends there a lot, it could a end lot of there. ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, that is where it'll end because I, 
through all the injuries. It's a 2013 draft. I mean, it's been a long time, and it's been a long road for him. I feel bad for him because he's he's, he's a fantastic guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a great kid, but and he works hard. I mean, mm-hmm. and th- and that's why they gave him a multi year deal. But they also gave him a multi year deal because of the size, and they're hoping right. So yeah. right now, this is his big tryout. If he doesn't look good in this. Yeah, he got, could get traded. Yeah, and you got a GM here that's got no ties to him. No at all, ties. And neither does Chris Pryor, who's no right. longer here. So a lot of, a lot of different uh, aspects of that. Um, real quick, uh, the Carter Hart injury. Now, the timing of it obviously was uh, been speculated about because the, the night before Scott Gordon announced yeah. that Elliott was going to start the stadium series, yeah. and people went bananas. And I get why they went bananas. Well, it's only because we were at the press conference and Scott Gordon goes through like a three-and-a-half-minute yeah. diatribe about everything, and then the next day is like, yeah, if I knew, I wouldn't have done that. And and I believe him. Like, that's yeah. a lot of times, you know, coaches will give misdirection. He was telling the truth on he, that. No, he's a very honest guy. He yeah, he's a straight he shooter. And, um, you know, Although he should have told us what his what his favorite karaoke song is when he goes to karaoke bar instead of saying he doesn't go to karaoke yeah. bars. I don't buy that. And then we come to find out. <laughs> but, but heart's injury right now. Elliot's been good. But it leads me to this. They make the trade for uh, for Talbot, Cam right. Talbot, not Max Talbot, <laughs> him years ago, and he's not a goalie. Uh, but Cam Talbot, and he's finally going to get his first start here on Friday night. And he's cold. Yeah. Like I mean, he's he ice cold. played a game in a long time. Right. He's ice cold. And, and again, if the Flyers do feel like they're still in it, I get that you keep – like you want to reward goalies, you want a game, reward them, but – I felt like yesterday's game was the opportunity to play Talbot for two reasons. For one is, Elliot's gone into Columbus and lost before. Yep. So has everybody else on the Flyers lately. Yeah, they got swept by him this year. Right. So why not have the the odd guy go in there and maybe that changes their game yep. plan and the look enough that maybe you do walk out with a win. I get it was a close game. I do. There were some issues in that game, too, if you do want to talk about them, That's up to you. But it's your show. But the idea is... I look at this and I say the Devils have nothing to lose. They're not as good as they that were. That makes them dangerous. But that does make them dangerous. And Talbot has been practicing with these guys. But again, this is a weird thing, and it's an you know, yeah. and it's a and it's and it's a division game against a rival. It could go anywhere, man. Yeah, you're right. And then they'll be back at it on Sunday too, before returning home Wednesday against yeah. the Caps. Um, yeah, I mean Elliot last night again was good in the game. I mean he's I, he I'm was good. Really, I asked him the other day. I was talking to him uh, on the air and off the air. I asked him, I said, I said, you know, your rehab starts, you know, conditioning stints in with the Phantoms weren't that great. Yeah, I heard you say that. And I, I, said, there, I yeah. said, uh, are, are you surprised how you're playing? Because uh, he's come up and in relief in the two games about Tampa Bay and then against Montreal, he was very good. He was. And then he was really good in the stadium series game. He was good again last night. I mean, he good in the Buffalo game. I'm going, what's going on here? Yeah. I'm, but two things in, in the Columbus game. The first one is they're always having to battle back, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't keep doing that all year. It's not going to work out. At some point, you are going to hit a wall. The other thing is, Artemi Panarin and Seth Jones played more than half of that overtime period of they're the 423. Nice, nice the whole time. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, the Flyers don't have players they could really do that with, other than maybe Konechny. But Giroux can't do that because he yeah. he runs out of gas. It's not Couturier his fault. Plays so many hard Couturier minutes. plays so many minutes during the game, yeah. PK and everything. He can't do that. That is a big disadvantage for the Flyers when yep. you expect to be a contending team and you're going to play the game tight so you know there's going to be some overtimes. I got to say, that was a time where Tortorella did the right thing because the the better players won out there. Now, they did just get a chance against Bob, and Bob made a great save. But once it went the other way, I think we all knew what was happening. Yeah, and Giroux tries to cut it off, but yeah. he's, he's 
at the end of it there. Playing, right. You know, playing that much three-on-three three is yeah. very Three-on-three three is a meat grinder for these guys' yep. legs, especially when you've played a complete game already, and now all of a sudden I've got to skate more and harder. Yeah. Yeah. And the rink's still 200 by 85. They don't cross-ice it for three-on-three. No. Three. no. Oh, that'd be pretty cool if they it did that. It would be. Um, put up the fake bumpers. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so with the Flyers, too, um, Sanheim, I dipped into him, but your impressions of his play because he just looks like he's getting more comfortable, more confident. He can skate. He's defending well. He's got a long stick, a great stick. And offensively now, he's got eight goals. He's leading Flyers defenseman in goals Yeah, with eight. Yeah, it's funny. Somebody found some old tweets of mine that were talking about Sanheim, and, and they were mostly right. Like Brandon Manning stole a roster spot once, and I said Sanheim maybe could take the AMAC role. That was like back from three years ago, but that was true at the time. Like It did actually happen. Brandon Manning did actually steal a spot once. He was just all about development. I liked him from the time he was drafted. I'd seen him in juniors. He was a rangy guy. When, when Hextall said that, that was true. You knew he had to grow into his body. The skating was good, but it wasn't great. That had yeah, to get better. I received a tip a couple of years ago that they he had a point in his development where he had slowed a little bit. And they the were a skating. little bit worried. Yeah, it was all it about was, his skating. It was the skating stride. And, and, so, was, and I believe that at the time they were looking to move him as part of a package to try and move up in the draft. I yeah. It was for Matthew Kachuk that I was yeah. talking about. Yeah. And so now you are seeing better skating, bigger body, stronger. Yeah. Confident, the yeah. confidence is there. Everything else was always going to be there. Yeah. You know, he has vision. He's always had a great shot. He always could bring the puck up the ice. And hockey sense, he had to learn when to get. Yes. When to get. Okay, I've, I've now activated. I got to get out of this. Yeah. Zone. Scott Gordon's talked about that a thousand times with us before yes. games. Yeah, and so now we're seeing it all click. Good for the Flyers for sticking with them because that's the the life of a young defenseman, no matter how talented you are. Yeah. Rasmus Dahlins are so rare Ugh. that you can't even use that as, you know, it's always yeah. going to be the outlier. Yeah, he's a unicorn. Yeah. I mean, Dahlin, the maturity, mental maturity is so yeah. far beyond his I years. mean, even Aaron Ekblad was going to be on that path, but then, you know, concussions slowed him yeah. down. Now he seems like he's back, too. So those guys are rare, man. Yeah. And watching the Flyers Columbus game and knowing the cap space that the Flyers have, um, I now realize that the number one target for the Flyers in free agency needs to be the bread man, needs to be Artemi Panarin. Yeah, but it seems like there's going to be a huge market for him and big market I know, teams. And, but it seems like there's a package deal trying to be go- going here with the agent between him and Bob trying to go to Florida, Florida yeah. because he does like Florida. Now, look, he likes New York, and maybe maybe Bryce Harper will have influence on him I mean, here. He I don't Florida know. I realize nobody's in the freaking seat. I don't know if that matters to him oh. because he's just playing. Maybe he feels like he'll bring them there. You know, I don't know. Everybody's almost brought them. I mean, they got Barkov, one of the best players in the game, and nobody goes to see him. Really, they haven't been. They haven't had a big fan base for a long time. But again. We'll see, but it, it, it's going to be a tough grab for the Flyers to get him. Yep. I, I do, but I think they should go after him. There's no question. Yeah. I mean, after you, you saw what you saw yesterday, the Flyers don't have a player like that. Yeah, you know, Konechny has moments. Giroux used to be a player like that. He's still really good. He's a great player, but he's not that. Yeah. There's something about Panarin still, the slipperiness, the just you finishability, need a, the finishing. You need a goal. He'll get you a goal or he'll set up that winning goal. And he, and he had the go-ahead goal last night, yeah. the third goal, and then he had the assist on the game winner Yeah, because he commands attention. And it's amazing. They showed a stat in the Flyers game last night that Giroux, I think, had 411 assists over the last eight seasons, NHL seasons, leading the league. It was like 11 more than a Backstrom. Yeah. And you look at that and you go, wow, that's incredible considering he's never had a pure goal scorer on his wing. It's true. It is true. I mean, he never has. You know, the other thing about Seth Jones, just to switch it back, 
seven career game-winning goals. He's already the leader yeah. for the Columbus Blue Jackets. It made me think, and, and this could be a good debate, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Seth Jones or Ivan Provorov? Like, they're a little different in the way they play, yeah. but there is something about Seth Jones that still makes me think he's going to get better. I think Provorov will still get a little better, too, sure. but I don't know if he's going to get Seth Jones better. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, and, and Seth Jones playing with Warinsky, and yeah. both, both guys love to get up the ice, and it pushes the pace big time. It does. Um, but Blue Jackets at the deadline. Let's talk some deadline real quick. Yep. Uh, they add Duchesne. Yep. They don't trade Bobrovsky or Panarin. They Yarmo pushed all the, the chips, man. Goes, they pushed you know them what? all. I got an opportunity here. I can grab Duchesne, eventually grab the Zingle. Yep. Boom. All my chips go in the middle of the table. Wise move considering, A, where they are in the standings, B, where they are in this conference. They have to get out of the first round. They've gotten to a point as an organization where the fan base is getting very itchy, and they've been very loyal, and I give them credit. I mean, through the Rick Nash years, and they tried during those years, they have to get out of the first round. They just have to. Yeah. If they don't, Things could start going backwards attendance-wise. They can't afford that. Yeah. So I think Yarmel saw that. He knows he's got plenty of assets. They've got plenty of young players in the organization. You know what? It could look really bad if they don't – let's say they don't make the playoffs. Oh, it will look really bad. I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. But if they don't get out of the first round, it's still going to look really bad because all he could do at that point is trade drafting rights at the draft. But you know what? Signing rights at the draft. You end up in the first right. round as that number two wild card, and you end up against Tampa Bay. You ain't getting out of the first round. Well, you can't say they won't. Now they no, fortified themselves. That they never have. I know, but but they. You know what? But they fortified themselves to enough to say where they have three good lines. Yeah. They have more good speed, down the middle. and they're good down the middle. Like Pierre Luc Dubois made some great plays. Yeah. If, if anybody wants to give Yarmulke Kekalainen credit for something, and I was that one, I was one that was behind him. He took a lot of heat there, saying, "Well, we're going to make him a center," and everybody was like, "Oh no, yeah. you can't do it." And, and they yes, did. Yarvi was there, and that was yes. like the consensus number three pick. How's yeah. that worked out for Edmonton? Yeah. Yeah. And I still think he could play. I think he needs to get the hell out of oh, there. God. A lot of people do. Yeah. I that think Edmonton's he can. A mess. I mean, even when he came into Philly, remember he had a couple yep. great shifts, and then all of a sudden his ice time started get decreasing yeah. as the game went on. And sure enough, then he was a no factor. So it's, it's the Edmonton head flu. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it's just no matter what happens out there, that that thing still needs a comp- They've been having a complete overhaul for a decade, and they need to start a new overhaul now. Well, now you're counting the years that you're wasting of Connor McDavid, yep. and that's the hard part. There, yeah, and Drysaddle as well. So, yeah, Drysaddle's tremendous. What is it? Thirty nine goals. 30, yeah, thirty nine goals. Um, speaking of which, one of the big moves was Mark Stone yeah. going to Vegas and then signing the eight year extension. Um, I think Ottawa did well in its return for Mark Stone. They did um, to get Brandstrom. Yeah, but um, Stone going to Vegas and signing the extension is a home run for Vegas. No, it's a, it's a, I, th- I think it's a home run for Vegas, but I. I Starting off on the Ottawa side, because it's so easy to pick on him now, right? We're going to talk about him again later. Yeah, they fired Guy Boucher. Brandstrom was a guy that there's no way George McPhee trades him unless he has a deal with Stone. Yep. There's no way he was going to be in there just for a rental. So the minute I heard Brandstrom's name, I was on a live show, and I'm like, this has to be for a contract because there's no way he's just going to throw him out there. I didn't think they were ever going to trade Cody Glass, by the way, because I do believe he's still the future face of that franchise. And so I I feel like Cody Glass is untouchable, right? So they trade Branstrom. Branstrom, and in the future, meaning even next year, could be a two to Shabbat. They could start him off at three, let him, you know, do that for a while. But they got a hell of a guy, right? So now they've got two of the hardest things to get in hockey is two great defensemen like yeah. that. They've got that, you right? you got Shabbat, and then you're going to have Branstrom, who's the Eric Carlson type. So, that, so that's good for them. Now, Stone in Vegas, 
big deal. It's a big deal. Now, yeah. it might take a little bit to kick in because he's not like a super offensive guy where it's going to be apparent. A lot he's of a it, selkie candidate as a winger. He is a selkie candidate as a winger, and a lot of it is just great play, work ethic. He does have a really good shot, but I do feel like he's a guy who has to build some chemistry there, yeah. and I think they will. And I think, again, Vegas is really good. But you know what? They're so dependent now on Marc-Andre Fleury. Malcolm Subban is just almost not up to yeah. the task. I thought that that could have been a good destination for Brian Elliott. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. And that's, so that's now it's like Fleury or bust to see where they go in these playoffs. Yep. But, but Stastny is, is, has come back strong yep. for them off of injury. They, they look like a dangerous team. The West is just ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you look at the teams like Calgary and then obviously and I want to get into St. Louis. Yeah. Because... Let's go to St. Louis right now. Okay. It is astounding how bad of a hockey team they were just a couple months ago compared to the team that they are right right now. And you have to I remember put, the Tarasenko trade talks. I was yeah. laughing about that. I, told I was bringing people, it up. I know, but I was laughing. I was like unloading uh, Tarasenko, Pareko, I know. Trangelo, all these guys going to unload I know. them all. I know. And now all of a sudden, Craig Berube's got to be in the Jack Adams conversation. Well, he and, Jordan, an he and Jordan Bennington. Now, Bennington's a funny one because people who know me know that I brought him up for he's four years. He's the rookie years. of the month, by the way. He is the rookie of the month. He's 16-2. and two. Yeah. I mean, he's got like, a, one in the month. like yeah. a 936 save percentage. Sure. Now, there are some days where he only faces 20 shots because they are there are really good defenders there. But my answer to that is, you know what? They were there at the beginning of the year, too, when they had no confidence uh-huh. in Jake Allen and could do nothing. Yep. So you have to give Bennington credit for bringing confidence to this entire team. I think Barubi is just a beneficiary of all that. I don't want to say he's not doing well, I mean, a good coaching up job. Neutral zone and their yeah, forecheck sure. is, is far. I mean, look what he's getting out of Ryan O'Reilly now. Yeah, O'Reilly. O'Reilly is is really doing well. O'Reilly. Here's the thing about him: he always will put up numbers. Mm-hmm. He'll always be strong on faceoffs. I have to see what he'll do in the playoffs. Yeah. This is the test for Ryan O'Reilly. But, again, and I'm going to match that to Craig Berube to see if he could be the guy that yeah. gets something out of him. And, again, by the time they get to the playoffs, I don't know what Bennington will have. He, this is uncharted oh, territory. Him, yeah. Luckily, he's only, you know, he is 25. Yep. So it's not like Carter Hart where he's 20 where you're doing this kind of workload. At least he's 25. But the workload's a worry. But still, it's a miraculous season considering yeah. how bad they look. And now even Jake Allen comes in relief and wins games. Yeah, it's, it's The amazing. whole thing has just changed. Yeah, it's crazy. It what, is what's crazy. What's going on there? It's like a complete reversal. Yep. Um, let's talk about what happened last night on the island. Oh, boy. Johnny T night on the island. And uh, despite some pleas from Kevin Connolly uh, from Entourage fame yep. and others yep. uh, to not go crazy booing John Tavares. That wasn't the case. It was an ugly scene last night. It was ugly. I, I'm from Long Island. I spent over 20 years there. The The thing that really got me was, and I'd been there, Nassau Coliseum, a bunch of times, watched it being built. I'm an older guy. What really got me is, I don't care if you boo a guy during the game. I don't care if you boo him when he touches the puck. I felt like when you're getting, when you're getting a video tribute, you should not boo a guy during that. Yeah. And, and call him names. And call him names. And just, even if you don't feel like you believe in it, then don't do anything. Sit on your hands. Yeah. I saw some fans get up and give him claps, which was great, but not enough. And Tavares watched it. You could tell that he was touched on the bench. And the thing about it is, what got me after that was, he still acknowledged the crowd after that. Like, this guy has so been classy. so classy. He has been great on and off the ice. He visited so many children's hospitals on the island. He was a Long Islander, and 
fans just think, oh, yeah, he just you know made an easy decision and left us in the lurch. Yeah, it's really not bold. what happened. And if you were in his shoes, seeing the way things were, Lou got in there late, Trotz got in there late, things had already been happening with that team. They already fixed the practice facility because they were worried about losing Tavares. Everything was happening late to try and keep John Tavares instead of locking him up like a year before, Yeah, which they didn't do. So, you know, I just... They should be blaming their ownership. Yeah, and, and News 12 the there. Cars, News no. 12, I, I don't know if there is the equivalent here. I know there's that, that station up in Lehigh, and that's sort of the equivalent for people there. When I grew up on the island, like, there's always the big networks, but they were like a good little network, right? By the book and everything else, and boy, they did a hit job on him on that wow. video. And it was awful to the point where the players said they didn't like it. And so News 12 had to actually bring it up on their sportscast the next day that players didn't like it. Wow. Didn't like what they did. And unfortunately, that riles up the fans, too. Yep. So you get all of that. I, I mean, Ugly, yeah. the f- jersey being thrown at him. Yeah. I mean, what In is wrong with people? It's yeah. like, grow up. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it was an ugly scene last it night. Was it was an ugly. ugly game, and just be happy that it's over now, I guess, yeah. is, is the point of that. Um, real quick, uh, after the deadline, the dust has settled on all the moves. Anybody you feel like really helped their case to become a, a cup contender that wasn't, and anybody that was a cup contender do you feel like has dropped off? I still feel like Columbus really helped themselves to, mm-hmm. to be a, a potential cup contender because I don't think the East is a clear path. I, other, I, than the, other than the Caps Tampa. and Tampa. I yeah. mean, those are the two powerhouse teams, but yeah. – even them, what if one of them gets eliminated before you know Columbus has to play them? Yeah, I don't know. Injury. I mean, the Bruins it probably won't have, happen. The Bruins could maybe take out it. The Bruins you know, are the hot the team right now, but yeah. they're still going to have to stay hot. Yep. So I, I, I feel like they did well. I do, do feel like the Bruins did well with Coyle for that team. Yep. I felt like the Wild did great because the Wild were on the edge of falling out of the playoffs. They trade Coyle, who was dead wood there. He wasn't yep. producing there. Donato and they got Ryan in. Donato. And... Bruce Boudreau did something really smart. Now, we all want to rip Bruce Boudreau because it's like, oh, you never won anything. and yada. But you know what? The winning is regular season coach. Right. But he did talk about when teams would bring in young players, a lot of times they try and put them with veterans. He goes, and that's, I don't believe in that. And no, he said, like sometimes play should play with you want the like mind and the ex- and the speed to match and everything else. And that's, that's why Team North America worked. Right. That's you know? correct. That's exactly why Team North America. So yeah. they, Boudreaux did that, and he's gotten instant results out of Donato because, again, Boston wasn't using him in the right way because they couldn't, right? They just didn't have ice time for him because they're a really good team. Mm-hmm. Minnesota was able to do that. Now, trading Granlin for Fiala, of course, looks bad, except... On the cap, Fenton is a genius, right? Yeah. He's already cleared out tons of cap space. But Fiala is another really good skating young player mm-hmm. who can make things happen on the ice, who does it's pass a win-win really well. Trade for me, because look at it's a team like Nashville that benefits from that, right? And that, to me, it's good for where. But Minnesota, Minnesota is, is still in contention, yeah, and they're playing great. Now. And they're playing great. Dubnik's locked in. We don't know when Matt Dumba will come back. Koivu's not coming back this year. No. We know that. But if Matt Dumba comes back just before the playoffs or sometime during the playoffs, they could be as dangerous as anybody. Yeah, and this West is so freaking weird. The West, good teams are going to lose every yep. round. It's just the way Winnipeg's it's going to happen. Up facing Nashville in the first round. Yeah. We bitched about it being in the second round last year. Yeah. One of those teams could get bounced in the first round. And I have to give, I, I, I do want to give Pittsburgh credit. I, I do think trading Tanner Pearson 
for Gabranson was a good trade. They were already down yeah. two defensemen. Gabranson is a big, tough guy. He's a decent skater. He can move the puck a little bit. He's actually got a great shot, but it's like it's like Sam Moran. It's like, when's he going to really be able to shoot, right? Yeah. He does other things. He's a shot blocker. They really needed Gabranson. Tanner Pearson had like nine goals for him at the time. Yeah. They weren't really going to miss that. Yeah. That was a good trade to keep them alive. It's a good, savvy hockey trade by Jim Rutherford. It was, because really if they is. didn't do that, they could have been on the, on the team dropping out it. of it. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Um, any other teams from the West? Like, if you look at the West, you're going, well, well Nashville, like you Nashville, said. Yeah. Um, Vegas may be in that mix now. I just, uh, Calgary, I, to me, is the team that I go, uh-oh. Calgary didn't do anything, but they are running really hot. So we'll see if they can continue to run hot. Yeah. I think we're all going to look at their goaltending in the end and say, is that good enough? That's the part that they're going to have to overcome. Yeah. Vegas, I think Vegas has everything. But it doesn't seem like Flurry's as good as he was last year. Yeah. That's the part where I'm a little worried about where Vegas lies. But Vegas is playing with house money again because they know, look how far we went last year. Yeah, we didn't win the Cup. Okay. Nobody's really expecting Vegas to win the Cup this yeah. year. We all expected, actually, the way things were going, that they'd be a bubble team and it's possible they could fall out of it. So they fortified their playoff position. It's still a win- winning situation for them. No question. And it doesn't matter. The team winning the West is going to be St. Louis. <laughs> I'm convinced that nobody's going to beat St. Louis. I mean, you know. If they win the cup, if they get their first cup. Wow. It'd be outrageous. <laughs> it would be outrageous. But, again, in this sport, weird things do yeah. happen. And sometimes the, the biggest the biggest cliche is ride the hot goaltender, right? But, honestly, I'm not sure we've seen that really work. Matt Murray was close. I yeah. do think Matt Murray was close. But, honestly, that really isn't what wins cups anymore. You have to have really good goaltending and really great goaltending. But we used to see it where a guy, they would just run, like Van Beesbrook. That, that Florida team was never going to get as far no. if Van Beesbrook wasn't playing like the best hockey of his life yeah. at that moment. And he I mean, was. Halak, the, the Canadians rode Halak in 2010 yeah. to a conference final, but right. he ran out of gas. Right. I mean, you, the Hamburglar ran out of gas. Yeah, Andrew Hammond ran out of gas. I mean, most of the time. It, to me, you need what I call timely goaltending. Yes. You don't need it all the time. You just need it when you need it. Right. And and that 2-1 game where you get outshot 49 to 22 yeah. and somehow you win 2 to 1. Yeah. That's when you you don't need it in the five the, you know the 5-2 game. You don't need it in that game cuz no. you're not going to win it anyway. Right. But that 2-1 game where you can steal it, that's when you need it. And if you can provide that and that's why Flurry was so good. Yeah. You know, and that's why Matt Murray was so good. I mean, what, he had two shutouts to, to wrap up the cup a couple years ago. Yeah. Back-to-back games. I mean, when you're doing that, that's timely goaltending. You know, there's a worry about the Leafs now because of their injuries on defense. They and Jake Gardner. Yeah. yeah. The Jake Gardner disc situation is bad because yeah. I don't blame the team here, by the way, because once you find out a player comes to you and – or doesn't come to you. We don't really know yet. Mm-hmm. But once you know a player's got a back problem, you know you got a problem, right? Yeah. So the best thing that you could do is try and manage it with the sports science and the rehab and everything else and get the most you can get out of them on the ice. But if Jake Gardner is going to be missing playoff games, they're in you trouble. You mismanaged it, yeah. You're in trouble. I mean, the one team I did mention is San Jose. San I Jose's, about them their goaltending. That's the only thing. I, Martin Jones hasn't played bad lately, but it's like really great game. Uh, next yeah. game's not great, and one after that could be a stinker. Then a couple good games. Like, I looked at him, and he's, he's, he's had some shutouts recently, and he's had some really bad games, yeah. too. And so I don't know exactly what to make out of him. They're sitting Carlson right now for the groin. That's yeah. smart. Yeah, they, he shouldn't even have been on the ice the other night. Right, so why let him get injured? But San Jose is in a weird spot. I don't think it's all on Jones. I do think somehow that team needs to rally around Joe Thornton, right, because this is probably his last year. No. 
We would think so. We would think so. <laughs> I mean, we also thought it was Jason Wittens, but he was so bad in the booth yeah. that he decided he might as well go back and so, play. So Joe Thornton's going to be between the benches for Pierre next year. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he's really bad at that, he'll come back and yeah. make a comeback, well, that too. That beard would not look good on uh, network television. No. Uh, all right, last thing, um, and I want to bring this oh, up. Oh, he's too. trimmed it up, though. It's not as bad as it was. Yeah, it, it will get that gnarly again. It just takes time. Yeah. Um, trust that as a beardsman. Um, <laughs> uh, two videos that just kind of surfaced via Twitter over the last week. One is uh, after Matt Zuccarello was traded from the Rangers, the Henrik Lundqvist video. Yeah. And the other is the Carey Price um, meeting a fan who just lost his mother to cancer. And his mother, before she passed, was trying to get Carey Price to meet his biggest fan, this young boy in Montreal. So first, let's start with the Lundqvist video. Right. Um, A lot of times we see transactions in sports and we see them as um, names on a piece of paper, right? Or we see a tweet that so-and-so went here for them. Um, You've been in this game a long time, and players, they go through a lot together. So when you see something like that, it makes it really real. Yeah, I— Because he covered, couldn't even speak. No, I've covered Lundquist a lot, and even when he lost the uh, shootout game here, he had a hard time speaking, but he wasn't choked up. I've never seen him choked up. I knew when I heard the recording, because that's what it was. I was listening to sports radio. Like, I'm a junkie, right? I always listen. And I was driving home from New York, and I heard it. And initially, when it was being reported on the station, they were sort of acting like, you know, like Lundquist is like Messier and he's a little weak here. But I knew what the I knew what the gravity of it was because he and Zuccarello are not only really good hockey friends, they're great friends, period. Yeah. And when the realization sort of hit him, like, wow, he's not here, he's not here anymore, it hit him hard. And mm-hmm. I could hear it in his voice. And it was it was tough. I, I, I really felt for the guy. And it did make me think there's like a little 1% chance that if they do it again to somebody else, whatever, I don't know who would be Jesper Fast or somebody else that he really likes, if they had to go, would he finally say, hey, you know what, maybe trade me. But I still think he's going to resist that because he does love the city and his yeah. family likes it there. But, the city loves him. But it was, yeah, and the city loves him. But this was a real moment, and this guy does wear his emotions on his sleeve. He always has. He's always been extremely honest in interviews. And I felt it, man. I, 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 it, yeah. it was hard to listen to. Yeah, no question about it. And then the other one is the Carey Price video. And we've seen so many examples of NHL players just getting it. Whatever it is, they get it. Even on YouTube, I can feel the connection between oh the player and, yeah. and the kid, right? And I have no kids. Yeah. So my connection is usually with dogs and animals, not yeah. usually kids. But I saw the connection the there. It was instant. You could see the sympathy that Carey Price yeah. had as he takes his mask off and the kid is just crying. And then he could have just signed a few things oh, and yeah. said, hey, it's great to meet you. Let's take a picture. Yeah. But instead, he he goes over to the railing where it's lower, and he hugs the kid. Yeah. And then you see the fact that he's, like, patting him with his hand on his back. Yeah, it and was like so sweet. Gave, you know, he gave a crap. It was sweet. It was like, yeah. it was like a big brothery kind of moment, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I loved it. I thought, this is what sports is about. Yeah. That's, it matters. I, it does people. matter. It, it's always mattered to me that way. And it's nice to see that athletes do still care because a lot of times we yeah. think sometimes they don't because of these big salaries and everything. And there are some people that look at players that look at it as jobs. Yep. But hockey has very few of them, I feel, anyhow. So to see that was great. What yeah, I'm wondering is I was so impressed with who Kerry was that Price. player for young Jason, whether he's hockey or another oh. sport, that when he ran into him was just like gobbin. Uh, it, it was weird. It's weird. Like by the time I got to meet any of the people in pro sports, I was already kind of jaded from working okay. in radio in some way. Shape, but there still had to be radio. somebody, even when you were working. Um, yeah, probably. I mean, the, the guy I loved growing up was Limburg, and I, I wept right. like a baby when he cried. When he died, I could never. Yeah. When he died, you mean? Yeah, yeah. When he died, but yeah. there was nobody that um, 
that really shook me like that. Um, maybe the first time I met Hextall, I was kind of like, okay, because the way he played the game and right. everything, and the position, obviously. Um, I met. I remember I met Robert Plant when I was doing rock radio, and that was pretty. Okay, that was pretty like whoa. Yeah, there were two yeah. guys for me uh, when I was in my twenties. I about twenty. I, I met Tom Seaver when when I was in the uh, mm-hmm. hotel business. Now he was my favorite player of all time for any sport, and. When I saw him in the hotel, I couldn't get his autograph, right? I worked there. I could be fired. And my boss looked at me and said, go ahead. Yeah. And Because he knew. Like, I would talk about Tom Seaver all the time. Like, what and, it meant to you. And I had to wait for the guy. He had just come out with a book, and he, and he actually went to the men's room. And I had to wait for him to come out of the men's room. But it was a great moment. And even though I was 20, I felt like I was five, right? Because that was yeah. my guy. And then when I was in this business, the first time I got in front of guys like Messier and Richter, because I would watched them even, like, in my teens— and just saw the way they would carry themselves. Gretzky, too. Gretzky, I, yeah. I finally got to interview him during the um, outdoor game, the Heritage Classic, when they had the old-timers game. Yeah. You know, I forgot what they called it. Megastars game. Whatever yeah. they called it. I felt like I was five then with Wayne Gretzky. And I just sat around his locker just listening to him, talking to guys for a while. And then I finally did speak to him because yeah. it was one of those moments where I was brought back. And look, Gretzky, I was already a teenager when he was playing but still, it didn't matter. Like I was still yeah. felt like a kid. So well, those are a few moments. Had an aura. It did. He walked into a he walks into a room. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. It gets really heavy. Iverson's the same thing. He walks yeah. into the room. You're kind of like, whoa. Yeah. You and know you it when some of these guys do. Go, oh man, this guy's got some presence to him. Yeah. And Barkley's the same way. And Barkley comes into the radio station all the time. And I mean, he treats the the girl at the front desk, the guy who cleans the bathrooms, and. Uh, the air talent, or yeah, he's else, amazing. That exactly way. the same. Yeah, it's true. It's and it's not a it's not a put on. It's not. No. It's just the way he is. No, he's amazing that way. Yeah, and it's just to see that video from Price, I was just so impressed because I mean, this guy is you know whether you want to say he's the best goalie in the world at the moment, I don't know, but he's been the best goalie in the world for a period of oh, yeah. time. Um, he's a wealthy man. He's done very well yeah. contract wise, and to do what he did and go above and beyond. Um, and not for the adulation of it. It's just it's it's amazing yeah. stuff to see. So. Yeah, because it wasn't covered by the news. It was no. probably somebody shot who just... on a cell phone camera. Exactly. Um, probably the kid's dad or something yeah. like that. And yeah, it just it was it was so impressive. And you continually see these things from NHL players. You know, walking off the ice, giving kids sticks or whatever it Matt is. Matt Zuccarello, believe it or not, is a guy that does that. Yeah, pretty regularly. And I always thought, you know, it's funny too because Alexander Ovechkin just guy doesn't publicize it. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ovechkin always got always it. got it. He, he goes in other buildings and does those things. Crosby gets, gets it. it too. People yeah. may not like that. Flyers fans may not like that, but he gets it. And look, there's plenty of great Flyers too. I mean, Giroux. We see we see things in the locker room all the time oh, yeah. with players and kids and things like that. So I mean, it's not just like we're talking about guys from other cities. It does happen in the city oh, too. Yeah. It's because the locker room that I work in, right off the the NBA locker room, the visiting yeah. game, is where they always assemble whoever is coming to the game to meet a player, yeah. whether it's after a win or a loss or whatever. Jake Voracek's got wounded warriors in there yep. all the time. You yep. never hear about it. No, he doesn't publicize it. No, he does. He does more in the community than anybody on that team. Yeah, and you never hear. No, about you it. don't hear. He about doesn't it. do it to get a pat on the back. Right. Uh, Drew does the same. I mean, it is every game. Oh yeah. There's a bunch of kids in there, or there's wounded veterans, or there's somebody dealing with stage four cancer. Yeah. You know, it's uh, make a wish kids. They're always there. Yeah. And those players always come in there and take pictures and give them stuff. It's, it's tremendous. They do. It is great. So, all right. Well, we wrapped up uh, the Stick to Hockey podcast on a very positive note. We did. So that's good. Follow Russ on Twitter, at Sportsology. Follow at Stick to Hockey Pod, at Jason Mert. We'll be back for episode 43 and anytime between one day and uh, 365 days from now. <laughs> that's what I can promise. Enjoy your hockey, everybody.